RadioInfluence.com. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close, if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reed. Well, here we go, and it is the final time in the month of February that we come your way for the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to those underdogs. Now exclusively in college basketball as we head towards March, the mayhem, the madness, and then eventually the final four the first weekend in April in San Antonio, Texas. I am your somewhat lucid host. He is our expert, our analyst, our insider from Vegas Insider, senior handicapper Kevin Rogers is back with me. How you feeling for the final February Three Dog Thursday? Yeah, college basketball is coming down the stretch now. You know, I was watching some of the games last night, and they're showing the future schedules. You're getting out of two or three games with a lot of these teams. <laughs> the Big Ten is almost done, so it's uh, we're getting towards March very quickly. Everything becomes magnified and ultra important. And look, before we get into the hoops, we are not tone deaf here to what else is going on in Pyeongchang, Korea, where the United States women have won the gold medal in hockey, which is the first time in 20 years they've done that. They've dethroned the Canadians, who had won four consecutive gold medals. I don't know how big of an underdog the United States really was. It would be it would probably be just a small underdog because the U.S. had won the silver medal in the last few Olympics, too, right with Canada. But, man, this was exciting. It was on in the middle of the night. A lot of people, like in our household, Kevin, were watching on DVR uh, this morning. A lot of people just seeing the highlights. So as part of Three Dog Thursday, we're going to be patriotic for a second, aren't we, and say congrats to the ladies for bringing home the gold. The, men, the men's hockey team will not even get a medal. The women make up for it. They got the gold medal, Kevin. They did. Uh, admittedly, I didn't watch it. Uh, I did see the one highlight of the one triple D goal in the shootout, oh. which was nice. Oh. But I will, I will say this. I will say, and I don't know how long you can go, but – I just find, and I'm not saying because the Americans won, but I find it really cheesy that it gets decided with a shootout. I think that they need to just keep going and going and going. And you know, if it's like the NHL go three on three or four on Ooh. four in the overtime, but to decide in the shootout for a gold medal, I think if they can let, let them play it out a little longer. Yeah, they did play 20 minutes, and it's the same for the men. They play a 20 minute sudden death, and they go to that shootout. And in the in the United States, that that goal by Jocelyn Lamaru, who's who's a twin, and I have twins, and my nine and a half year old twins were roaring in the house early on Thursday on Three Dog Thursday on that goal. And then uh, Maddie Rooney is her name is the goalie. I, I love the fact she's twenty years old. She stopped the winning shot in the shootout, and already on her Wikipedia page, Kevin, they have changed her occupation. The editors on Wikipedia, the fans, from goaltender United States hockey team to Secretary of Defense. So I think she's allowed to have that change. She has a gold medal. The U.S. women's hockey team has a gold medal. Congrats to them. Uh, and the Olympics are going to be wrapping up soon, the Winter Games, with uh, with all that's been happening in Korea. So kudos to them. And I, lot, I know a lot of people are excited about this. There's probably a parade coming in New York for those ladies uh, that, that won the gold medal. So, all right, we'll bring it back to basketball. As you mentioned, games going on this week and things beginning to narrow down. Uh, we're, we're beginning to see who 
who the best teams are. I mean, we saw Villanova last Saturday in a game that we were talking about win at Xavier. They definitely look like a Final Four favorite. Do you have another team, maybe a couple of teams right now that to you look like Final Four material? What would what would you say between the likes of Virginia, Kansas, you know, some of the perennial teams that we think about or a Michigan State? Who looks like Final Four material? Give me one. I mean, when, when you look at I mean, this year is just so tough, you know, and I never know if it's going to, you know, when everyone says it's going to be so wide open that you're going to have all four ones probably go or when there's always years we have four, no doubt about it, number one, it's always going to be like only one one makes it. I mean, just I'm not going to go with any dark horses because it's just, you know, crazy. But as far as the teams that should be there in the end, I mean, what you're going to get probably out of the ACC, even past Virginia, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if, if, if Duke got there, you know, or if Duke got pretty far, obviously, if they stay healthy. I mean, and again, even like Kansas, you know, that, that Kansas did beat an Oklahoma team that's been, that's been slumping, admittedly, that Oklahoma has not been playing very well. But, I, but Kansas has won the Big 12 for 7,000 straight years, it feels like, under Bill Self. So, you know, they're going to get back there and get a pretty good seed once again. And then, you know, another team that's been mentioned as, as a top seed potentially is Xavier. I don't know if they're going to be a one. They'll probably end up being a two. They had a, a nice comfort behind win over Georgetown on Wednesday night. And I, I believe that Xavier, if I'm not mistaken, I guess past, uh, you know, well, I guess past Villanova, right? They, they got swept by Villanova. Correct. That I think that everyone else that they, I believe everyone else they swept in the conference, if I'm not mistaken, that they didn't lose. No, they had one loss. They had one loss to Providence. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. But besides that, they played pretty well. I probably think they'll end up being a two seed. I don't know how far that they'll get. But I see the problem is, and I know it's such a cop-out answer, but we got to see who the matchups are, you know, and see who draws who in the tournament. You know, it's not like the NBA where you say, okay, you know the Warriors are going to go far, the Cavaliers are going to go far. But in college, like, let's see who you get. And if you get a bad matchup, then, you know, sometimes you're both, you know, you have two teams that are one seeds, one gets a better draw than the other. And you say, well, we're both one seeds, but one gets a better draw and they end up going further than the other one does. Well, and, and Virginia, for example, I mean, there's a lot of debate about whether their style of play is conducive to the NCAA tournament and being able to win a week in and week out, you know, one sudden death game after another one. They're going to be the top seed now in the ACC tournament. They clinched that on Wednesday night by virtue of a win over Georgia Tech. Do you uh, do you still have to see them prove it in a in a second round game in a Sweet Sixteen game before you're buying that Virginia with that slow down grind it guard you take thirty seconds off the shot clock style of play is going to be good enough to get them to a Final Four? What do you think? I mean, I don't think they need to really prove much. I mean, Virginia has gone, you know, they've gone several rounds before, and I just think when you get to a point in the tournament, here here's the difference. If you keep getting bounced in the first weekend, that's a that's a problem. Once you get to the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, if you can't get over the hump, you're playing really good competition at that point. You know, and it's not to take away from teams that you're facing the round of 32, but you know, I remember for a long time, and I'll, and I'll throw them out there. I remember when Billy Donner was at Florida, and and the Gators lost to all these questionable teams in the first round of the tournament, the first or second round. Yeah. And he said, you know, come on, like, you know, you got to get past that. You know, that's a problem. If you end up getting consistently, it's like Michigan State, 
you know, consistently they get to the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, and if they fall short, you're still playing Arizona or Kansas or teams like that. You're still playing really good competition. So I don't really know if it's saying, oh, your style or you're just running into really good teams and you're that good and a couple of bounces don't go your way. I mean, we've seen that so many times where, you know, Kansas, for instance, you know, they blew that big lead to Michigan a few years ago, but also Kansas won the national championship because Memphis missed a bunch of free throws. Like just things happen, you know, at the point in some of these tournament games that really, as long as you can just make it far, maybe at the final four, but at least get a couple wins here and you're out. I think you're fine. You had to stick the dagger in on my Memphis Tigers, my alma mater. It's the 10 year anniversary, by the way, of Mario Chalmers hitting the shot after Memphis missed not one, not two, but three free throws in the final 30 seconds that could have helped them clinch a national championship. Not that I remember it. Uh, and you may, and you mentioned, look, on, on who you play in the matchups, Virginia's run into Michigan State a couple of times in the last three or four years, and Izzo's team knocked them out and went to the Final Four in the Elite Eight or the Sweet 16 by knocking Virginia out. So sometimes it is the draw, and, uh, and we'll wait to see what, what that looks like here in a couple of weeks when Selection Sunday. I can't believe it's going to be Selection Sunday soon enough. But it uh, it will be. All right, so with all of that out of the way, at the, at the risk here on Three Dog Thursday of us uh, giving ourselves a broken arm from patting ourselves on the back, we continue to roll along with underdog picks. Uh, in fact, last Thursday on Thursday's show, uh, you and I combined to go three and one again on underdog selections. You had Wisconsin, who was an outright winner over Purdue. I had Houston, the outright win, snapping Cincinnati's win streak. I had Arizona in the in the victory uh, for them over Arizona State. They were a small one point underdog, but it still counts as a as a road dog. Um, as it turns out, I mean, we were trying to figure out, and we'll talk more in the next segment about underdogs on the weekend, but I got the Baylor Bears prediction right, predicting them to beat Texas Tech, who was ranked in the top 10, uh, top 10 team in the country, uh, coming into Waco. Uh, Kevin, we are rolling along right now with the underdog select. You almost even got West Virginia in the set, almost doesn't count, but in the Saturday night game, they were winning for a lot of that game with Kansas, and it was kind of quirky at the end where Kansas made a couple of free throws and ended up covering the number, but... We have been really good with the underdog predictions. We have 13 documented correct underdog predictions so far in college basketball to start this season. It's been pretty good, you know. And, you know, I watched some of that Arizona game last week where they jumped out to the big lead at Arizona State. The Sun Devils came back, made it interesting. But then Arizona, you know, picked up that big win in that cross-state rivalry. You know, even for me with Wisconsin against Purdue, just Purdue had been struggling. And... You know, for Wisconsin, it kind of seemed like that was like their game to get because they're not going to be a tournament team and they've just been, you know, they've just underachieved this year. So I just figured that was a good spot to go against, you know, Purdue. And Purdue has really had problems covering numbers. They barely beat Penn State over the weekend. And, you know, that was a team that, you know, we talk about number one seeds. Everyone's kind of forgetting about Purdue a little bit. And you kind of wonder. You know, if you have this bad little stretch here, is it a good time? And with the way this Big Ten tournament is starting next week already, that if Purdue could maybe put up a good showing, that they'd have some momentum. Or if they got knocked out early, maybe having all that time off could help them because they kind of can reset themselves. So that's kind of like the argument there with Purdue that is this a good time? You know, we've seen teams that have had their 
they're losing streaks maybe in January, or early February, then they get it back together that, you know, is this the worst time they can have it? Or maybe with this little break that the Big Ten has after their tournament, maybe it helps them? I mean, that, that's me something we have to check out. No doubt, and we'll talk more about that Big Ten tournament next week and how much effect it might have pro or con on teams that are winning a week early setting up their resume in advance for the committee to see them because after all it's a subjective vote on the teams getting in and where they get seated and how highly they get seated so uh that is part of the process so uh hey perfect segue speaking of the big 10 and speaking of wisconsin is that what's going to begin things here for three dog thursday purposes you know, I'm going to go with the Badgers again. They're going to Northwestern, and Northwestern, I think, probably another 50 years before they get back to the NCAA tournament. I mean, the way they've been <laughs> at times this year. They, Wisconsin goes to Northwestern tonight. Northwestern blew that 27-point lead to Michigan State last weekend, which is just like a, a dagger for them. I mean, they're just done. And then they lost to Maryland earlier in the week, and now they get Wisconsin, who, again, is not going to the tournament, but they, they've won three or four, and, and the Badgers are playing better. You know, I, I don't know if there's a lot of value in the Badgers tonight after they were huge home underdogs last week to Purdue, but they're just playing better than Northwestern at this point. And for the Wildcats, I just don't know how much I can trust them as a favorite here in this spot. You know, I, I'm just going to go with the better the team that's playing better. I'm not going to say Wisconsin's the better team, but the team that's playing better at the moment and take the Badgers over the Wildcats. And the Wildcats, obviously, amazingly, Kevin, speaking of the Michigan State situation, had a 27-point lead last Saturday. They were playing home away from home in the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois. That's DePaul's usual home court. Northwestern was playing essentially a Chicagoland game, not in, not in Evanston, and they had a 27-point lead the Wildcats, and and Michigan State came back not only to tie them but eventually beat them. It is the largest comeback in Big Ten basketball history. Any team, any game, what Michigan State did last uh, Saturday. So Northwestern may still be reeling from that as we get ready to see what happens in that Big Ten showdown. All right, I already know, I've, I've made reference to the fact that Memphis is my alma mater, the former Memphis State University. I'm going to be accused of being a homer here, but I'm going to go on Three Dog Thursday against a team that I went with last week. I love the Houston Cougars in the American Athletic Conference to snap that Cincinnati 16-game win streak, hand them their first conference loss. They did that last Wednesday night. Now we've got a Memphis team that has been up and down. At one point had a four-game conference win streak going, then lost an awful game at East Carolina, lost actually three conference games in a row. Now they've bounced back and won a couple against kind of subpar competition. Houston comes into Memphis on Thursday night. So if you're hearing us here on Three Dog Thursday for Thursday night, as the favorite, I think Tubby Smith's team is going to find a way here to pull the upset against the Houston Cougars. Uh, Tubby is under some fire right now in the in the Memphis area, the Memphis media, the fan base, because the Tigers at times have floundered. This is the second year of his deal. The recruiting hasn't been great. I think he's going to get back in the good graces tonight. I think Memphis will win this game with the Houston Cougars coming up this evening. So I'm going to take them on uh, on Three Dog Thursday. So there's an American Conference uh, doggy. Uh, where do you want to go next for Three Dog Thursday purposes as we continue along here in our opening segment? Well, I guess, you know, the Pac-12 this year has been down. Uh, you know, there's not going to be a lot of teams, it seems like, that would get into the NCAA tournament. So I decided, you know, I'm going to go for it all and go with the Washington State Cal game, you know, two teams that each have two wins Ooh. in Pac-12 play that have been awful. And I, and I understand that they have, but 
I have my reasons here. And I like Washington State at, at California tonight. That, first of all, Washington State has two wins. One of them was a blowout over Cal earlier in, in conference play. So you have a bit of confidence there, you know, going into this game if you're Washington State. And you look at Cal coming off their rivalry game with Stanford over the weekend that they lost. And Cal started off Pac-12 play beating Stanford. And they have lost 12 of 13 since. Their only win came against Oregon State. So, I mean, it wasn't, wasn't a great win. And you look at Washington State. I know they've won a road game this year. I get that. But at the same time, that this just feels like a, a confidence game for them. Cal has not been favored in Pac-12 play yet this this season. This is the first time they're a Pac-12 favorite, and I believe they're two and five against the spread as a favorite this season. So obviously, all of that during non-conference action. That I'm just going against. Out of the two bad teams here, I'm going against the favorite. I'm going to take the points with Washington State, Ernie Ken. All right, so Washington State. Uh, there and, and again, they were a, they were a program. Speaking of Virginia and Tony Bennett earlier this century, it still sounds funny to say that Tony Bennett was the coach at Washington State. They were in the NCAA tournament back uh, seven eight years ago with him as the head coach. His father Dick Bennett was also the former Washington State coach. So was Kelvin Sampson. I was mentioning the Houston Cougars a little while ago when they had success. This is a down year though right now for them. Right now for Cal, which is reeling after Quanzo Martin left that program and went to Missouri. So you'll take Wazoo. I'm going to stick with the Pac-12 predictions here on Three Dog Thursday for a Thursday night, and I'm going to go Washington Huskies, a team that I went with uh, earlier in January to pull an upset with Arizona State. They ended up beating both Arizona State and Arizona in the same weekend at home. Washington playing at Stanford. So while it's the Washington team's swing into Northern California, while Wazoo is at Cal, Washington is at Stanford. They'll flip-flop on the weekend and switch opponents. Um, I, I just I like what Mike Hopkins has done with their defense. They guard people. I know they had a three-game losing streak after they beat the two Arizona teams. One of those losses, though, was a goofy overtime game where uh, they, they gave up the lead at Oregon State. Oregon State then hit a crazy 30-foot three-pointer with the shot clock winding down to win the game in overtime. That's one of their losses. Washington did bounce back and beat Colorado at home. I will take the Huskies here at Stanford, which has just kind of been okay. Washington's got an outside-outside shot of being maybe an at-large team in the tournament. They've got a couple of better wins, including a win at Kansas earlier this year than, than what Stanford has. I, I, I believe there's something on the line for both teams, Stanford playing at home, but Washington may be a little hungrier here, Kevin Rogers, for this game. I will take the four-and-a-half points, take the Huskies for Three Dog Thursday, so you and I each going woof-woof with a Pac-12 underdog and look we we're not sure about arizona state uh either arizona state now with seven pac-12 losses after being unbeaten in the conference again i ask you kind of the same generic question does does that mean after arizona state was ranked number three in the country had beaten kansas out of the conference had another top 10 win two out of the conference they've lost seven times in the pac-12 is the pac-12 really better or or is that a sign maybe of mediocrity nobody's really standing out in the pac-12 that arizona state has seven losses right now well, I think nobody's really standing out. And I think Arizona kind of proved after that, that disastrous trip to the Bahamas back in November that they are obviously the class of the conference. And, I mean, you know, you have a lot of other teams that are, that are kind of on the bubble. You know, 
Utah's played better of late. You still have UCLA. You still have USC, who picked up a big win over Colorado on Wednesday night. You still have Oregon. There's a lot of teams there in the mix that maybe one of them can make a run in the Pac-12 tournament and maybe steal that automatic bid. But, you know, there's a lot of teams that have been okay. They haven't been bad. That's the thing. This conference hasn't been bad. There's been, yes, some bad teams at the bottom. But for the most part, there have been teams that almost feels like an NIT feel. But you know what, though? If you put USC in the tournament or UCLA in the tournament, you're telling me one of those couldn't win a few games? Like, that's kind of where you throw those 18 or 19 win teams in there. Maybe one of them can make some kind of run. We'll see if that's the case. All right, so we each have taken $200. We've got one more to go from each of us on the weekend. Kevin, stand by. We're going to talk some more college basketball. Adam Zagoria will be here, one of the top college basketball writers. He's up in the New York City area, the Zags blog. You also see him contribute to the New York Times as well as some other outlets. Love his insight. So Adam Zagoria will be here to talk Big East. The Big Ten Championship Tournament, as we keep referencing, is coming to Madison Square Garden. We'll get Adam's thoughts on that. Then Kevin will read join me later on in the show for some more Saturday and Sunday underdogs you're tuned in here to three dog Thursday however you found us whether it's radio influence uh, whether it is subscribing through iTunes or Stitcher our friends at VegasInsider.com helping promote us Uh, thanks for doing so subscribe there on iTunes or Stitcher we'll pause here Adam Zagoria with us straight ahead as three dog Thursday continues As we do roll on as part of Three Dog Thursday, oh, it's getting good. It's going to be March soon, and I I have been remiss. It has been far too long since I've talked to this man, but I do know because the madness is coming, it's time to catch up with the man behind ZagsBlog.com, contributor for the New York Times. Adam Zagoria is back with me to talk some college hoops. All is right with the world right now, brother. It's about to be our time. It's fantastic. Good to have you. TJ, good to be on with you, buddy. Uh, March is coming, and I can't wait. We got all three Big Ten, Big East, and ACC <laughs> tournaments in New York City. So I, I don't even have to—I don't have to leave my bed or my apartment to cover that. I love that New York state of mind for sure. Let's begin right there because I've asked others their opinion. The Big Ten coming to the New York footprint here and coming to the Garden and doing it a week early. A, I mean, obviously you're in that area. What, what about the Big Ten playing at the Garden, and then what about doing it a week before everybody else? What are your opinions on both? Yeah, a couple of things. I mean, first of all, I think it's, it's great for New York, and it's great for the league, because remember, they'll be a week ahead of the, the Big East and the ACC and those leagues, so most of the focus will be on them. They'll really be just competing with you know, mid-major leagues like the MAC and stuff like that, so they'll get a lot of attention. You know, you have some of the top teams in the country, Michigan State, Purdue, um, you know, Ohio State in the league. And then as far as them going a week early, you know, there was a lot of questions preseason. Is this an advantage? Is this a disadvantage? I don't think we're really going to know until the NCAA tournament plays out, right? I mean, you know, if either A, it'll give them a week to rest up and rest some injuries, or B, um, allow teams to get rusty and, you know, maybe they'll try to scrimmage a, a mid-major or something. But if you know, if we're standing here at the end of March and there isn't a single Big Ten team in the Elite Eight or the Final Four, everyone will say, oh, it was because they had to play a week early. But if Michigan State and Purdue both make the Final Four, then we'll say, oh, they had a week to rest and recuperate. <laughs> it was a good thing. 
Well, I, I am a big believer just in general terms and seeing the proof of it in recent years. Teams that are winning, that are still playing, that are scratching, clawing that final weekend right before, and even if they have to go play in the first four in Dayton on Tuesday night or on Wednesday night, if they're scratching and clawing and getting in there, the fact that they're still playing, I think that's a bit of an advantage. I don't buy into fatigue and, and that stuff. I think it's a, I think it's better in their favor that they're staying fresh. If they're a hot shooting team, they're getting to play again right away. Just in general terms, do you buy that right now as a trend over the last few years? Yeah, I mean, I think some teams, you know, look, we're in whatever we are, mid to late February. Some teams are basically playing elimination games right now. I mean, if you're Oklahoma, if you're Trey Young in Oklahoma – you know, you've gone from number four in the country and everybody's darling to, you know, all of a sudden you have to win two of your final three Big 12 games or you, you might not even make the tournament, according to Joe Lunardi. So, you know, these guys are basically playing elimination games right now. So let's say hypothetically Oklahoma pulls it together and wins, you know, two of their last three or three of their last three and then gets on a run, you know, in the Big 12 tournament then we could say they were, you know, it was a benefit for them to have to fight so early. But, you know, it's, it's different for every team, and every situation is different. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, all right, so you mentioned uh, Big East as well with, with Villanova. Uh, they have the injury to Phil Booth. They got a huge win Saturday against Xavier. We may see that game a third time at the Garden for the Big East Championship. What about the Big East? Give me a thought or two on the, on the Big East, which is also uh, in, your, in your stomping ground. Yeah, I mean, first of all, look, they got seven teams in the tournament last year, TJ. That's 70% of their league. I think right now Lunardi has them with six. So, you know, they'll get, they'll get six. Maybe they'll get seven. That's 60 or 70% of their league again. I think both Villanova and Xavier right now are projected number one seeds. So two of the four seed number ones are Big East teams. Um, you know, Jay Wright's a tremendous coach. Chris Mack's a tremendous coach. Neither team has any one and dones. You know, they've both, this has kind of been a year where, you know, the top teams, Virginia, Purdue, uh, Villanova, Xavier, you know, none of these guys have one and done players. Um, and they're, they're getting old and they're staying old. And, um, you know, I think both Villanova and Xavier have the talent to, to get to a Final Four. Yeah, well, and they got experience, too, on their side when you're talking about Blewett and Makura from Xavier yeah, and then yeah. the likes of Brunson and uh, Bridges and some of the others from Villanova and, uh, and experience behind the bench. I mean, Chris Mack doesn't probably get enough attention nationally for the job that he does, and obviously we know about Jay Wright in the national championship a couple of years ago. Let's just say this real quick, TJ. If, sorry to interrupt. If somehow, you know, let's say Villanova, you know, gets to a Final Four or is in the mix for another national championship. You know, now we're really talking about Jay Wright as a guy who's, you know, he's already won one national championship. He's won four straight Big East regular season titles, two Big East tournament titles in the last four years. They haven't lost a November tournament since, I think, 2012. You know, that's as good a resume as Kentucky or Duke or any of these teams in the last five years. And they could really build on that here with another strong march. Sure they can. Absolutely they can. Um, all right, so speaking of New York guys uh, and the former program of Rick Patino, Louisville in the news this week at the time that we're talking now with having their national championship taken away, the NCAA denying their appeal, basically ruling that for four years they were playing with ineligible players. All the victories are going to be vacated, including that national championship. What is your reaction to the banner being taken down figuratively and little, literally in Louisville? 
I mean, I think just the big picture is the historical significance of it, TJ. I mean, Rick Pitino, you know, in a week or a couple of days has gone from, he, he was, he made history for being the only coach ever to win two national championships at two different schools, Kentucky and Louisville. Now he's the only coach ever to have a national championship banner taken down in division one basketball. So um, it's really just amazing. The swing, um, you know, I think we all, you know, I know as a reporter, I always liked Rick Pitino. It was always great dealing with him. Um, he was very good with the media. He's obviously a tremendous coach, but um, you know, you're responsible for what happens on your watch. And the guy had three major <clears throat> scandals, three major strikes on his watch. Two of them, he claims, you know, he didn't know anything about. And, um, you know, you can get away with that maybe once saying that, but you can't say that <laughs> twice. And, um, you know, his program is paid for that. And it's tough because, you know, first of all, for the kids on the 2013 team, you know, Kevin Ware got injured, all those kids, you know, they didn't really have anything to do with the, the stripper scandal. And they're going to lose, you know, for the rest of their lives. They will have known they won the game, but they had the title stripped. And now all the kids on the 2018 team, you know, they had nothing to do with that either. And um, they're being made to suffer because, you know, it's happening right during their season. Some have asked this. I, I've been a guest on a couple of shows. I wonder this, too, and I've heard others kicking it around. Is this really a deterrent, taking a banner down when everybody remembers the title and you can't take it away from the players and the memories and everybody has their T-shirt and their hat that they bought? Is it really a deterrent for future stuff? And, and wouldn't bigger deterrence and better deterrence be massive financial penalty or ban them from the NCAA tournament maybe for three consecutive years uh, as a bigger punishment? Um, some might consider that harsh. But in terms of deterrent, is, is taking down a banner really that big of a deterrent? Yeah, I agree that some type of, you know, death penalty or pseudo death penalty or three-year postseason ban, as you said, you know, that would really be a harsh, you know, penalty. And, I mean, let's just say that Louisville still has David Padgett on an interim basis. I think he's got a nine-month contract maybe or six-month, whatever it is. And he said earlier this year they can't uh, – they won't be able to successfully recruit a single player until they name a full-time coach. So – you know, I don't know if they're going to name Padgett their coach or they're going to go out and try to hire a Chris Mack or somebody. But, you know, let's keep in mind they don't have any recruits for next year. Recruiting is going to be very difficult for them. And um, I think just taking the banner down is just a huge stain on the University of Louisville, on Rick Pitino's legacy, you know, and on really anyone who went to Louisville. I mean, if you if you were in conversation at a bar or cocktail party and you say you went to Louisville, the first thing that's going to come to everybody's mind now is this. Uh, Adam Zagoria with us for a few more moments as part of Three Dog Thursday. Love his insight. So we talk about underdogs and make underdog predictions on this show. College basketball hoop underdogs. We've been doing well with a lot of the underdogs throughout the predicting process so far this college basketball season. So I'm just going to ask you with the buffet in front of you, let's say in the, the big six conferences, the power six conferences that includes the Big East, give me a team that we're not talking enough about that's not first or second in the conference. Give me kind of like an underdog headed to the postseason that we should be paying more attention to. I'll let you pick any team from any league. Go. I'm going to give you a few just to get to get sure. the money. I mean, I, you know, I live I live in the Big East footprint here in New York City, and I would say in the Big East, both Providence and Creighton, which are you know going to make the tournament, but are not you know they're not Villanova or Xavier. Providence has been in the tournament four straight years under Ed Cooley. The guy's a tremendous coach. He continues to win, you know, even after losing guys like Chris Dunn and 
Ben Bentel, you know, and now he's got Rodney Bullock and, and these other guys. Creighton uh, under coach uh, Greg McDermott, father of NBA player Doug McDermott, another tremendous coach. Um, you know, they, they lost uh, their big guy, the, the foreign kid, during the season to an ACL. Um, they still have a tremendous team. They, they could, you know, they could make it to the second week of the tournament given the right draw. So I'd say both Providence and Creighton. And then out of the Atlantic 10, I mean, obviously Rhode Island is a team to beat, but St. Bonaventure, you know, watch out for the Bonnies. You know, they beat, they beat Rhode Island. Um, they have a borderline NBA player in Jalen Adams who scored 40-plus at least twice this year. Uh, Mark Schmidt is going to be a hot name in the coaching carousel after the season. So I'd say watch out for the Bonnies as well. How about that? And then, you know, so many times we see a team emerge this time of year, kind of middle of the pack, start winning some games, do some damage in March. It's always fun to watch that unfold. That's for sure. The the madness, the mayhem. All right, we got we got to get ready for extra eyeballs, extra TV screens. Uh, with all with championship week, with all the conference tournaments, I, th- I think it's literally something like eighty games of significance get played in about a ninety six hour period. It's insane, and I know you can't wait. We can't wait, right? It's coming. It's coming soon. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's great because it's coming in New York City. I mean, you get the Big Ten, and the week right after that, you get the ACC in Brooklyn, and the Big East at the Garden. So New York is just going to be the center of college basketball for two weeks. I, I know it's always good when I get to talk with Adam Zagoria because it's getting close. Getting close to March. Final Four time exactly, too, with, uh, with San Antonio in the, uh, in the sights a little bit later on. Listen, I, I love hearing from you. Uh, follow him at Adam Zagoria, the Zags blog as well, where he writes it up, contributor as well to the New York Times. Love the insight of Adam Zagoria as part of Three Dog Thursday. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, buddy. We'll see you at the Final Four. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. And we are back in on the only digital radio show that's devoted exclusively to underdogs and college basketball headed towards March and the Final Four. You are locked in here on Three Dog Thursday. And again, our, our thanks there to Adam Zagoria for giving me some knowledge. As we call Kevin Rogers back in, senior handicapper, VegasInsider.com. He's pumped. As he mentioned, Big Ten tournament comes to the Garden, Big East tournament in the Garden. At the same time, the ACC championship is at Barclays Center uh, coming here in a couple of weeks. So a lot of hoops coming to the media mecca. Uh, to New York City. Uh, Kevin, before we get into some Saturday uh, games and underdog predictions, one thing that Adam and I were talking about is the Louisville uh, appeal being denied by the NCAA this week. These are for the previous sins and punishments, so they've taken away all of their victories for a four-year period, including the national championship 2013. Same kind of question to you. Do you re- do you believe this really means a lot? Is it really a deterrent to other people, the fact that they're taking the banner down for, for Louisville at the Yum Center and, and stricking it from the record books? What is your take? No. I mean, we know what happened. You know, same thing like with Reggie Bush at USC. We know what he did, but I mean, as far as on the field. And to say that, you know what it is? It's different if, like, that night they change it around and say they didn't win. But, you know, this isn't a situation where we saw, like, in the Little League World Series years ago. Who was it? It was not Curacao or one of those one of those island countries that had, like, 18-year-olds <laughs> playing instead of right. you know, 12-year-olds. Like, that's different. It's like, okay, 
you had a major advantage. But when you had the situation like this, when you have infractions as opposed to, you know, players that shouldn't, they're obviously ineligible, it's a little different. We know Louisville won the championship that year. And for them to take the banner down to erase all the wins, it's silly. It really is. And I don't think, I don't think it does anything for anybody because you know what? If you end up winning the championship, let's just, I give you this example. Even though Rick Pitino stayed at Louisville the whole time, and then he got let go for you know all the stuff that happened. That if you found, like, let's say John Calipari, okay, let's use him as an example. He was head coach of Memphis, all right, and they had some wrongdoings. He left to go to Kentucky. Are you going to take his job away from him at Kentucky? Like he used it, and he went as far as he could, and they take a they they take stuff away, a Final Four appearance or whatever away. What does it matter? He's still fine. So, you know, it's one thing to say if that affects them personally right. now, but at the time, what does it matter? You might as well roll the dice and try to do all that stuff and hope you'll get caught. Well, and we could sit here for half an hour, maybe an hour, and continue to talk NCAA and how uh, they they don't follow precedents a lot of times. They they aren't consistent with their penalties and with their punishment. They have banned some coaches. Heck, uh, we were talking about Kelvin Sampson earlier. Remember, he got a two or three year ban. He went to the NBA as an assistant coach after his problems at both uh, Oklahoma and Indiana. Pete Carroll received a show cause ban at USC. It didn't mean anything. He'd already gone to the Seattle Seahawks to be an NFL coach. Uh, and in Calipari's case, slightly different. I'll take one issue with you. That in Calipari's case, it involved Derek Rose and his ACT test score to get admitted into the University of Memphis to be NCAA eligible. They originally ruled him eligible, and so Memphis played him. They came back later and said there's a problem with the test score. In the Louisville situation, you had major recruiting violations going on. You have this this FBI investigation may blow it wide open on several programs that are just outright paying players, cheating. The FBI has caught them. I don't know that taking a banner down is that big of a deterrent. Maybe it's money, Kevin. Maybe finding the the individual coaches who make mega millions, the schools who make tons of money. Maybe it's a fine. Maybe it's banning them from the postseason for multiple years, like the NCAA likes to do. That is, I, I I would think that's the bigger deterrent than retroactively five years later. Let's go take a banner down and, and erase something from the record books, right? Well, first of all, I wasn't really comparing the situations at Memphis yeah. and Louisville. No, I know they what were you the mean. Same. No, just to, just to put it, I'm just saying more as far as you take He got another job, right. He got another job was your point, too. He went somewhere but, else. But right. also, didn't Louisville also, I mean, again, they, they did a lot of wrong, but didn't, all, didn't they also have a year that they were banned from the tournament as well? That's correct, two years ago. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it's just, Louisville did a lot wrong. Rick Pitino didn't know anything, which is the biggest load of crap in the world. Like, <laughs> you know, this isn't like a football team where you have 85 guys, you have all these guys to worry about. You have like 15 guys. Okay, you know what's going on with your program. You're the eyes and ears of the program. Don't tell me you don't know what's going on. But, I, I mean, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if you if you find the coach later on or if you – see, here's the problem. You know, you mentioned Kelvin Sampson. And Kelvin Sampson, like, did this perfectly that he was gone from Indiana, so what do you do? Let me coach the NBA for a little bit. And then he ends up being in Houston with the Rockets and then gets a job at the University of Houston. So he's got to move his family. He's totally fine. He gets a new job, and everything is fine. So, you know, these guys, are you going to ban them from basketball? Like, NBA can't. So these guys always can find ways out. They always can find loopholes with everything. And I just don't know if there's any way to stop all of this because everyone has to find a way to cheat. 
if you don't cheat, you'll lose. You got fired anyway. We'll see what the FBI comes up with. What I did like from Kevin Rogers, who's a great follow on Twitter at VI Rogers, uh, was your tweet: If you had Michigan that night in the championship game, and I was right there at the at the now no longer standing Georgia Dome, the night the Atlanta uh, City rocked and Louisville ended up winning against Michigan head to head in the national title game in the Final Four. If you had Michigan, what plus the four? Do you get do you get a refund now that they're taking the title away from Louisville? Not likely, right, Kevin? No, but I mean, but I mean, I know. I mean, I was joking, but at the same time, like, think about that. Like, what if you bet against? Well, they lost those games, right? The NCAA deemed them as losses. Yeah, that's true. So that, that's that's what makes it even more ridiculous. Is that we know they won the game. We know Michigan didn't beat Louisville that night. So you're taking away a title. I mean, you're going to, so what? Michigan's the national champion now, or there was no championship, so we had no season. Yeah, it's vacated. That, that, that's why it's just so dumb, the whole thing. And by the way, Calipari has two vacated Final Fours, not just at Memphis 2008, but his 96 UMass Final Four also vacated because Marcus Camby and others were taking money and were deemed ineligible after the fact. So he's the only coach with two different programs that no longer are in the Final Four record book for having been there, even though we know they were there. I, I was there in 08, 10 years ago, for Mario Chalmers and that shot, as I keep mentioning, for Kansas to defeat Memphis in San Antonio. Final four back in San Antonio this year. Okay, we're going to move along with underdogs. Uh, we each have one remaining on the weekend. And again, the qualifier from last week, the same thing two weeks in a row. We're doing our best, if you're hearing us on the weekend after Thursday, to project who might be an underdog. And sometimes in some of these games, we have... Our thoughts on who might be an underdog and the and the Vegas odds makers and Vegas insider lines, etc. They turn out to be something else a couple of days later. We're not privy to that at the time that we're making the predictions on this Thursday show. So last week, for example, Texas Tech leading the Big Twelve, taking on the Baylor Bears, uh, even in Waco with uh, with arguably the best one of the best players in college basketball, Keenan Evans, on their team. I I took Baylor thinking they're going to be like a one or two point underdog, even at, even at home. Texas Tech. Ran Ranked in the in the top ten last week for this game, Baylor pulled the upset. I thought Baylor would win the game. They did win the game. Well, Baylor didn't end up being an underdog. They ended up being a one point favorite. My point is, we're doing our best here to try to find some games where we think that uh, that there's going to be an underdog and go with them. So we're going to do that again, rolling through here for this weekend. Give me Kevin a weekend underdog. Who do you like? Where and why for Three Dog Thursday? For Saturday, South Carolina goes to Mississippi State in an SEC battle, and South Carolina has picked up a couple nice wins at home, beating Auburn and also beating Georgia, pulling off the season sweep of Georgia. And obviously the Gamecocks are not going back to the tournament. They're not going back to the Final Four. They had a great run last year. It's not going to happen this year. They're on the same team. But they did lose to Mississippi State earlier this year at home as a favorite. Now they'll be getting plenty of points. Mississippi State probably going to the tournament that they've been playing very well. Ben Howland's finally got them going, got the program turned around. They picked up a nice win at Texas A&M earlier in the week, and they've been on a great ATS run of late, and they've been winning a lot of home games. I just kind of feel like this is the time where now everyone's going to try to jump on that Mississippi State bandwagon. And South Carolina, again, they're they're not going anywhere, but they're playing well, you know, at least down the stretch here. And, and they got to figure that they have a little bit of momentum. And I'm just going to take the points with them, trying to get the season split with Mississippi State. 
Well, and that's going to kind of tie into my underdog also and in, in which way I'm going to go because that South Carolina team has been a, a bit hard to figure. The Florida Gators have really been a hard team to figure out. They wiped out South Carolina in Columbia and then they haven't won a game since then. They they lost. They blew a lead late at home to Georgia. Lost to them. They lost midweek this week to Tennessee in a game where both teams were awful. Lost on Wednesday night to Tennessee. I don't know which Florida team I'm getting. They've got uh, Chioza at guard. They've they've got Kevon Allen. Uh, they they've got uh, Kolachev, the the outstanding three point shooter. They are a very streaky shooting team. But they're coming back home. They're playing an Auburn team that has a couple of injuries, but Auburn again in the top 10. Auburn leading the SEC right now. At the time that we're taping Three Dog Thursday, it is Auburn at 12 and 3, leading the conference with three regular season games remaining. And, and Auburn off a win over rival Alabama. I think this is a spot to go right back to the Florida Gators here, despite their losing streak. I think they're going to probably be something like a two or three point underdog to Auburn. We'll see. I'll take Florida at home as the outright win. I mean, a week ago, Auburn went to South Carolina, your team that you're taking this weekend, and South Carolina blew them out in Columbia. So I don't know uh, here that just because Auburn got the rivalry win over Alabama midweek that all the ills are cured. They have a couple of injuries. I will take Florida to rebound, to shoot better, to bounce back in this game, keeping their slim NCAA tournament at-large hopes alive right now because Florida has really lost some bad games down the stretch hurting them. So I'll go Gators against the Auburn Tigers for the third of three underdogs here on uh, on Three Dog Thursday. So there we go. Things starting to shape up for the, for the postseason run again next week on the show as we get ready to rock and roll on, uh, on Three Dog Thursday. We're going to be ready to talk about uh, the conference tournaments getting underway, including the Big Ten tournament. So regular season play about to wind down. Uh, Kevin, as always, you've got great information at VegasInsider.com, not just on the college hoops, but everything that's going on. Tell the audience more about everything that you've got going on at Vegas Insider. Well, like you mentioned, the, we're really locked into March Madness now. The NBA All-Star break is finished, so the NBA is coming back, and that is underway starting on Thursday. But uh, obviously all eyes will be on March Madness with the Big Ten tournament starting, and then you have all the rest of the tournament starting leading up to Selection Sunday in mid-March. So just keep an eye on all of uh, those developments as we head towards the selection Sunday and obviously we'll have all of the conference tournaments covered, at least the major ones. I mean, sorry, Southland fans, we're not going to give you uh, your fill on that. <laughs> but, uh, but past that though, you know, we're going to have all that and leading into, you know, where the teams are going to land and all of our, uh, all of our information regarding these matchups will be coming in the next few weeks. So just check out, check out all that college basketball, NBA is what we're doing right now. Spring training starting up in Major League Baseball, so we'll have that in the next month or so where the regular season will start there. So, again, like I say, even though there's no football, there's still plenty going on at VegasInsider.com and also on Twitter at SwiftVI. And follow this man again at VI Rogers uh, for Kevin Rogers' Twitter handle for all of the uh, fun, the insight that he has with all of these different games. You can follow this show at Three Dog Thursday. Again, the underdogs for this week. And you may be listening to the show later in the weekend through uh, RadioInfluence.com, uh, also through. 
iTunes or Stitcher, and you may already know what happened on Thursday, but here are the Thursday underdogs as we have them as we're taping the show. Kevin likes Wisconsin against Northwestern getting three and a half. Washington State is his second underdog on Thursday night in the Pac-12 in the game with Cal getting four. And then you will take South Carolina on the weekend with Mississippi State as an SEC underdog. I will go go Tigers go. My alma mater Memphis Thursday night. You already know if I'm crazy or not. Getting seven points with the Houston Cougars who are contending for an NCAA tournament spot. The uh, Washington Huskies. I will go with the other Washington team on Thursday night in the Pac-12 getting four and a half with Stanford. And I also like the Florida Gators to win outright over the SEC leading Auburn Tigers on Saturday night in Gainesville for what I'm classifying as an underdog. We believe there will be an underdog. We'll find out. There's the predictions for this weekend. That'll do it for this show. Our thanks also to Adam Zagoria joining us from the Zags blog and college basketball coverage with a northern northeast perspective, New York City perspective. Love his insight. We'll talk to him probably some more down the road as March gets here uh, as well. Kevin, great stuff. Good to talk to you. Thanks for the underdog picks good luck with those selections and we look forward to seeing what happens this weekend with the college hoops absolutely thank you tj there is kevin rogers senior handicapper vegasinsider.com one more time i'm tj reeves you're tuned into the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to underdogs find us every week through radio influence subscribe at itunes at stitcher rank the show help us promote the show find us everywhere online at three dog thursday it's three dog thursday enjoy the games this weekend bye This is an In the Trenches with Ian Beckles. Quick Fix on Radio Influence. Offensive line is for thinkers. Defensive line is for reactors. Mm -hmm. Your defensive lineman, dummy, just go find the ball. Just go upfield, blast everything in your way, and go find the ball. Offense is a little bit more cerebral and deep thinking than all that kind of stuff like that. You know, and and, and not to get off another tangent, but what you just said made me think of something. I think defensive coordinators, and I think this defense with Mike Smith at times, tried to make these guys too cerebral. Because Levante David is a reactionary player. Mm -hmm. That's the way he's played football his whole career, right? Uh, Quan Alexander, the same way. Um, Some of those defensive linemen. You know, Warren Sapp said, you know, we stopped the run on the way to the sack of the quarterback. You know what I mean? But everyone did. One gap, we knew the guy behind us was going to be in there. Everybody was disciplined. We're going to be in their spot and do it. They weren't, there wasn't a lot of, they weren't, it was not a complex defense that Monty Kiffin ran. Very simple. In the Trenches with Ian Beckles can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.